0: Over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here or listened um, online on Rumble or our podcasts, you've been hearing me talk about righteous behavior. If I'm going to sum it up, it's righteous behavior. It's, It's holiness, walking in holiness. Faith has fruit and fruit has works. Faith has fruit and those fruits, part of those fruits are good works and good behavior. It's not something you have to drum up. It's something that naturally happens when you have genuine faith. When you have genuine faith, it will manifest in the earth. Uh, we somehow think that a spiritual life is only an ethereal life sometimes, uh, like a cloud that you can never grab onto. But real faith, as mysterious as m- and mystical as it can be, always, always, always manifests itself in good works. The fruit of faith is very, very practical, very, very earthy. It can be measured and it can be observed. Jesus talked about it all the time. Look at that. That's like the kingdom. Look at that. That's like the kingdom. He could look at people's givings. He could look at people's marriages. He could look at people's family. life. He could tell a lot. You can tell a lot about people by the fruit of their life. You can tell what their inner world looks like by their outer world. Uh, that's just the way it works. It's very practical. That's how you know what real faith is and what real faith isn't. That's what James says. That's what John says. The apostle John says. This is a way you can tell if your faith is genuine and if someone else has genuine faith. They will have good fruit and good works in their life. They will obey Jesus. If they don't obey Jesus, it doesn't matter how much they say, I love him, they're lying at least lying to themselves. They don't. So we've been talking about this, but one of the problems with this type of message that I've been preaching is that it is really easy for the devil to turn it into self-condemnation and actually a works-based salvation. I must do more. I must try harder. I must be better. That's how we interpret it. So why do we struggle? I want to speak into that a little bit. I was told early in my Christian life that I have two natures and a righteous nature and a sinful nature. And it's like a white dog and a black dog. How many of you have heard the white dog, black dog thing? Some of you may even be guilty of preaching it like me. We have a white dog and we have a black dog, a good dog and a bad dog. We have a good nature and we have a sinful nature. And whichever dog you feed, that's the one that grows. Sounds great. Only problem with it is it's completely unbiblical. We had baptisms last week, and that water symbolized the earth. And when people went down into the water, it's symbolizing them going under the earth and going to death. We didn't dunk people to get them wet, uh, you know, to say that they know how to feed their white dog and feed their black dog. We didn't get them wet so that they would know how to feed their white dog or their black dog. We got them wet because they got buried. They died. We killed that black dog. That black dog is dead and it's not going to raise from the dead. We buried them as a testimony that they are dead to themselves and dead to their old nature. We killed that black dog. They decided, we agreed, God agreed that that black dog needed to be put down forever. And that is what happened. The black dog didn't raise from the dead the next day. But, Stacy, I did mess up. I did sin this week. That black dog did not raise itself from the dead. That's not the problem. It's not because we have two warring natures. It's because that black dog barked so much when you were alive, even when it was gone, you could still hear it. How many of you have ever been around a really annoying noise, like a car alarm? That The neighbor's gone, and their alarm's just going, beep, 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 and it's going for hours. And even when it shuts off, somehow your brain still hears, beep, beep, beep. I mean, you can still hear it. Or you go to a concert and it's just and then you leave the concert. What are you hearing when you're trying to go to sleep? You're hearing it. We hear the residue of that dead thing. And this is what the Bible describes as an unrenewed mind. Our old man is dead. Our sinful nature is dead. Our problem is we have an unrenewed mind. Our brains did not die. When we gave ourselves to Jesus Christ, our brain didn't shrivel up and die, and God opened up our head and gave us a brand new brain. That didn't happen. We have the same neural pathways in our brain after we gave our life to Jesus and he killed our old sinful nature and gave us his spirit with uh, his nature inside of us, That became brand new. What did not become brand new, not all of it at least, is our thinking. And we know from Dr. Caroline Leaf that there's electrical channels that are created in our brains. When we have thoughts and when we learn, it's literally like a canal that water can go down, right? In the dirt, we're making a new channel for thought. And the more we have the same thought over and over and over, and the more electrical impulses that go through that channel, we literally don't even have to voluntarily, consciously, purposely think that thought. We can just walk around thinking about something else, and that thing will fire off. That thought will keep on happening. And when you're trying to break a habit as that neural channel is starting to shrivel and die because you're not using it anymore. You're not thinking that way anymore. What will happen right before that neural connection dies is it'll start firing off all by itself, trying to keep that channel alive. That is physically going on in your brain every single day. And your brain is making new channels, new neural connections every single day. So, you literally can get a brand new nature from Jesus. Your sinful nature can die, but you did not automatically get a brand new brain. Some thinking changes, some feelings change, you have an experience, but those channels are still there. Those old thoughts are still there. Even though that black dog is dead, you can still hear it ringing in your ears. It's bark ringing in your ears. That's what Scripture says, that we are transformed, Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed. Be metamorphosized. How do we get metamorphosized like a caterpillar to a butterfly? By the renewing of your mind. I I have that Scripture up there if you guys want to click on that so you can read it and not just take my word for it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus gave us a brand new spirit. He put to death that old sinful nature. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. A saint who can still do sin. A saint who can sin, but your identity has changed. The solution for a sinful nature is death. It's death. The solution for sinful wrong thinking is renewal. Renewal renew your mind we have to reprogram our brains and our minds and hearts to think like god if you still believe you have a sin nature or that you do have two natures we're only going to resist sin to a certain point point. and eventually we're going to give in and just say well it's because i still have this sinful nature i just can't help it that's just the way i am if god wanted me to stop sinning he would have just killed this old nature he did He did kill that old nature. He gave you a new one. The problem is you're not thinking correctly. I'm not thinking correctly. We don't yet think like God. And that's where our battle is. Our battle is in the mind. We can't say, I can't help it. I'm just a fearful person. I'm just a timid person. I have this nature in me. It's just sinful. That is absolutely not true. You've been given a courageous, Nature. You have the spirit of Jesus in you. He is a lion. He's a lamb. Your nature is courageous. You may not be manifesting courage, but your new nature in Christ Jesus is a nature of absolute courage and boldness. That's your nature. Romans 6:6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. He killed that black dog. He killed it. So that we would no longer be a slave to that thing. We would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you have that scripture as well? Romans 6.6. 6. Did we get that up there? Yes? Oh, yay. It worked. Hallelujah. It is my old thinking, not my old nature that taught me how to lust, lie, cheat, and steal. Our thinking doesn't automatically change right away when we give our life to Christ. Some of it does, but not all of it. The truth is, a lot of it does because we don't renew our mind. We just walk through life like we used to. Our thinking stays wrong or goes back to old ways, and we can find ourselves right back where we started. I don't know about you, but when I got radically saved Man, I changed completely. But eventually I started regressing into some old patterns. And it wasn't because my nature changed, it wasn't because my identity changed. I never retrained my thinking. I never I didn't get in the word of God as much as I needed to get into. And I just kind of coasted on a salvation experience. And eventually I started struggling and I started doubting. Oh, did this not work? Oh, are things coming back? No, it was my thinking that was wrong. I hadn't renewed my mind. I want to illustrate this this way, and I hope this helps a little bit. Imagine a rich king adopts an orphaned child from another country. Okay, How many of you know someone, or maybe you did, or maybe you are adopted from another country, know somebody that adopted a child from another nation, another language? Yeah? There there are some in this room. We know some. So the king, rich king, sees this child in this other country, begins to love this child, values this child, wants this child and his family, decides in his heart that he is going to make this child just like a full-fledged son and daughter of his own and that they would be treated and treasured exactly like his own flesh and blood children. So he tells the child, the child agrees to be adopted, and the king signs the adoption papers. What happens that very day? What changed that very day? What changed that day? What became new that day? I heard identity. That's true. What else? Their house, their name, yes. You you take on the last name of your father. They got a new name, new identity, new family. Inheritance. They have an inheritance they did not have before. Literally, in an instant, as soon as it's signed, in an instant. What else changes? Often citizenship changes. They have resources available to them that they didn't have before. In an instant. In an instant. Access to finances they didn't have before in an instant, right? They have wisdom wasn't available to them before. They have a father and a mother. They have a completely new identity in an instant, right? The second that name was signed on the adoption papers, instant change. Now, this person that adopted this child is a king. So what also instantly happened? Well, yeah, they became a prince or a princess. Instantly. Do you think the child instantly felt like, oh, I feel like a princess. One second ago I didn't, but now this second one, the adoption paper was, I feel like a princess. Probably not, right? It probably hopefully feel special. If they're a princess or a prince, what else do they have? Authority, instantly, that they never had before. Do You think they felt that? Who? Oh, a rush of authority. Probably not, but did they have it? Yes. As much as they're ever going to have? Yes. Why? Because where does the authority come from? From their father. Instantly, as much authority as they're ever gonna get. What didn't change? Mindset. They could wake up the next morning feeling exactly the same way they used to abandoned, not good enough. They're in a new house, they're not understanding and walking in the authority that they instantly got. They may not be taking on the identity of prince or princess that they instantly got. So what's the problem? They have two natures now, an orphan nature and a sonship nature, a prince nature and a pauper nature. No, they're thinking. Their identity is brand new. They have become a new creature instantly. Thoughts and feelings, though, Those have to change. That adopted child needs their mind to be renewed in a new way of thinking about themselves, their position, their value, their world, what has been instantly and freely given to them that they did not earn. They have to learn to walk in their new identity now. This is exactly what has happened to every single one of us. Every single one of us. Just because we act like an orphan, just because we sin, does not mean if this child all of a sudden doesn't behave like a princess, you don't go, oh, I guess you're not a princess. You didn't act like one that a minute ago. You're not a princess. It, failure can't take that away. Wrong behavior, unprincess like behavior cannot take that identity away. All that needs to happen is their mom or dad or brother or sister, or somebody remind them, hey, you are a princess. Princesses don't act and think that way. You're a princess. You're not thinking right. And that's why we need each other. This is why we need the Word of God to remind us. Who we are, what has been given to us, our mind and our hearts, our feelings, they need to be made new. It doesn't just happen automatically, all of it. It usually doesn't. Some of it does, not all of it. The older the orphan is, I've found from experience, the harder it is for their mindset to change. Why is that? Because people treated them and spoke certain identities and certain values to them for months and years and years. And even though when those adoption papers are signed, boom, they're a prince. Boom, they're a princess. They have authority. They have a family. They have a father. They're loved. They're valued. Everything in an instant. But their feelings and hearts may not change. They still hear words from years ago. They have memories from years ago that saying, you're not a princess, you're a nothing. You're not holy and righteous, you're a sinner. Look at you, look at your failures. It's very easy, all of us that have given our life to Jesus Christ, having been adopted out of darkness, having become sons and daughters of God, it's very easy for us to hear messages about this is the way a prince acts, this is the way a princess acts, and we hear that and we go, oh, man, I'm not doing well there, I'm not doing well there, I'm not doing well there, I'm not doing that well there, and we just think, I guess I'm not a real prince after all. That's where some of us go. Instead of saying, oh, man, thanks for that reminder. You're right. I shouldn't be thinking that way. God, help me. Help me change my thinking. This really is us. (laughs) This really is us. This is our battle. This is our battle. We've been adopted, given a new name. Our citizenship has changed. We are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Scripture says we are sons and daughters with authority. Everything is new except for our thinking. It needs to catch up to who we really are. The benefit that a real orphan has is they have the benefit of waking up in the morning in a new room, in a big house, and they get to wake up in a new world. We, when we become sons and daughters of of Jesus Christ by faith, we wake up and we're in the same bed. We're in the same house. We have the same husband and the same wife and the same job, and everything looks the same. And besides us maybe feeling new, what has changed? Honestly, everything, but there's no physical evidence. We're seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are sitting in heaven right now, Scripture says. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Look around. Where's the proof? We have to embrace it by faith. We know the proof because the Holy Spirit in us. We know it. We know it. People can't talk us out of it. God says, and he's not a liar. He's smarter than me. He says it. But there's no evidence. There's no physical evidence. So we have to fight the fight of faith. Believing things that we cannot see with our own eyes, but we can experience. We can taste and feel and know. But what happens when you're having a bad day and you're failing and maybe you even messed up and you sinned? Are you not a legitimate prince anymore? Did you get unadopted? Did God just say, you know what? I wrote that in erasable pen. (laughs) He doesn't do that. Our identity did not change. Our adoption did not change. The only thing is we've convinced ourselves, I'm not good enough. We're sons by faith. We have a new name by faith. We're priests by faith. Romans 8.15 You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance. How do we know? The spirit of God that's in me convinces me it's so. Some days we believe it, some days we might not. We were all spiritual orphans at one time. That's the reality. We all were. And it's not because God abandoned us. It's not because God kicked us out of the house. It's because our forefathers abandoned him. Our forefathers ran from him. And then we were born outside of God's house. They rebelled. We were born outside of his house. Our forefathers left home. We were born outside of the knowledge of God. And we continued living there. Eventually, voluntarily. Eventually, with knowledge. And we sinned. We fell short of God's glory. We owned that orphan identity. We walked in that sinful, orphan, rebellious identity. Until one day, God opened our eyes. And we repented of our sins and we ran back home like the prodigal son. And we became sons and daughters when we said yes to Jesus. Now we find ourselves at home in God's house, occasionally still thinking and therefore still behaving like an orphan. We hear or read God's word describing what a son should think and act. And we realize we're not exactly measuring up. And instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for showing me where I still have stinking thinking, Lord, help me to change, we say, I knew it. I'm still an orphan. Look at me. I'm a screw up. He just told me he signed the adoption papers. He probably really didn't. He just told me he loved me. He probably really doesn't. I'm not very lovable. It's not really real. The adoption really didn't work. I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not like his real sons, his real daughters. I'm better off somewhere else. And we go back to our pig slop. We go back to our sinful lifestyle, and we become slaves to the devil all over again. That happens to a lot of believers in Christ, a lot. They, we call it backsliding. But really, what happened is they forgot who they were. They forgot they were legitimate sons, and they did not renew their thinking. We've all been there to some extent or another. At least I have. Maybe I'm the only guilty one. It's not because it wasn't real. It's not because it really didn't happen. It did happen. It is true. We are adopted. We are princes and princesses. It's just because our thinking is wrong. You hear a message and and sonship thinking and orphan thinking are very different. And hearing something, we will interpret it very different. Sons work from approval. They know they're approved by God. They can feel it. They know it. God does love me. So when we do good works, it's out of approval. It's out of being loved. Orphans work for approval. We fail and we think, oh, man, if I fail too much, he might unadopt me. If I fail too much, everyone will know I don't belong in this house. I'm not a real part of this family. So we work harder. Why? Because we don't feel approved. We work harder to gain approval so that we're not disapproved. It's a completely opposite motivation for actions. Completely opposite. Working from approval instead of for approval. Working from being loved instead of working to get loved. Working to earn love. Working to be loved. Working from a place of identity, not to gain identity. It's a lot of people that go into ministry to gain identity, to be a somebody. And a lot of us don't even realize it until we're on stage and God has to point the finger at us and we go, uh, What? (laughs) I'm doing what? (laughs) He has to rip it out of our hands. That's often why God will promise you something, give it to you, and then say, give it back. God promised Abraham a son, and then said, here you go, Abraham. Now give him back to me. Kill him. Why is God such a big meanie? He's not a big meanie. Abraham needed to know. God needed to know. How much of my identity am I getting from this thing God promised me? And as soon as you get no identity from a destiny, God can give it to you. He can trust you with it. But as long as we're getting identity out of position, as long as we're getting identity out of something that doesn't come as a free gift from God, God has to rip it out of our hands for our own good so that we can... Be okay without it. And as soon as we're okay without it, he can go, here you go, son. I always wanted you to have it in the first place. I just didn't want this thing to become a curse to you. That's why he does those things. Some of you in this room have been recently adopted. There's some folks that have recently given their life to Christ. But need you to know, the rest of us, we're older, we have the same battle as you. Some of us have just gone longer through the renewing our minds process we believe it a lot stronger than you do but some of you this is going to be your battle if something hasn't changed in your life if you're still struggling with sin it's not because Jesus didn't work it's not because it didn't work it's not because you have two natures you are holy and righteous in Jesus Christ you become the righteousness of Jesus Christ your only problem is you're not thinking correctly And we have to change our thinking. How do we do that? Sowing the word of God into our hearts. Sowing the word of God into our minds. I'm going to skip this for sake of time. Mark, uh, Jesus told in Mark, actually all the gospels, a parable of seeds and soil. And he said a farmer went out and threw seed all over the ground and some fell in good soil, some on rocks, rocky ground, some amongst weeds and some of the birds just came and snatched it up and then he stopped talking the disciples are like we don't get it (laughs) Jesus we don't get it and he's like the seed is the word of God and the soil is your heart the soil is your heart and if you have the cares of the world in your heart it's going to choke the seed of God's truth in you the cares the other cares in your heart will choke it out and God's truth will get choked out. And the world's truth is going to be what survives. Some of you, man, you've got a hard heart, and that seed isn't going in very deep. And the devil just comes and snatches the truth away from you. It's the soil, the soil. Our hearts are soil. Say that to yourself My heart is soil, my, my mind is soil. There's stuff in there. There's seeds in there. Something is growing in there. What is it? Is it seeds from the devil or is it seeds from God? The word of God is a seed. That's also very important. The word of God is a seed. It's not a full-grown apple tree. It's not a full-grown plant. It's a seed, right? Do you get fruit from a seed immediately? No. No. No, so what does that mean? When I plant God's truth into my heart, can I expect instantaneous results? Sometimes. Most of the time, no. The seed has got to go into our heart, and then something starts growing. Something gets bigger, and God's truth starts taking over, and we change, and we bear fruit to the Spirit. Good fruit. But it's a seed, We don't get fruit from a seed immediately. Why do we get angry, frustrated, disappointed then when we don't get instant results from going to church or reading the Bible or maybe even a prayer? Too many of us have a wrong belief that I prayed a prayer and it didn't work. Like we uh, expect, like, hey, I prayed the prayer, gave my life to Jesus, didn't work. So I'm on to something different. Or I, I tried church a couple times, didn't work. I cracked open the Bible once or twice. It didn't work. I didn't change. Nothing changed. We would be crazy. People would think we're crazy if we went to a field, went outside right now, I gave you all the seed, and you went outside and you stuck it in the ground and buried it and put a little water on it, and then you sat there. Five minutes later, didn't work. Dumb seed. Dumb seed. Didn't work. (laughs) What would we think? you are like, Dude. You're a moron. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Actually, after this parable in Mark Jesus says this. And he said the kingdom of God, this is verse 26, Mark 4:26, the kingdom of God at, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It grows up. It takes time. We want instant miracles, instant change. I want to be able to just open the Word of God, read for 30 seconds, and if my problem didn't go away, dumb seed, dumb seed. Only crazy people think like that. The Word of God does not work that way. Jesus said, Your heart is soil, your mind is soil, God's word is seed, not full-grown tree, seed. What do we need to do? Plant it there, keep it there, water it, keep having seeds. If you plant one apple tree, you'll get some apples eventually, you'll eat those apples, then what happens? You won't get it anymore for a while. So if you want consistent harvest, what do you need to have? Consistent sowing. You and I, we are living today off of what we sowed yesterday. The fruit we have in our life today is what we sowed, planted in the previous season. This is the thing that's deceiving about it, is you can stop planting seeds but because you got a bunch that's growing up, you can all eat tomorrow, and I'll eat the next day, and I'll eat the next day, and I'll eat the next day. But because I stopped planting a while ago, eventually one day I'm going to eat, and there's nothing there. All of a sudden, I find myself empty, and I can't figure out why. I didn't do anything different today than I did yesterday. It just, I'm just empty. It just ran out. What happened? It was because I stopped planting seeds in my heart a long time ago. You can live off of that stuff for a while. I think this was a lesson that God was trying to tell Israel in the wilderness with the manna. Manna fell to the ground and they gathered as much as they could eat, but the next day went rotten. They literally had to get it every single day. I think he was trying to teach Israel, you need to get the word of God every day. Jesus said, I am the manna who, came, who comes down from heaven. Scripture says he is the word of God. Jesus is manna. We have to eat it every day. The danger is we can eat from Jesus for a season, and we feel great this month. We feel great next month, but the month after that, all of a sudden, we we're not doing well. And we wonder, ah, dumb seed. It's our fault. It's our fault. It's my fault. What did we stop doing? We stopped renewing our mind with the seed of the Word of God. We stopped planting into our heart. We stopped planting into our heart. Who has control over the ground? In that parable, right? The farmer, the seed is the Word of God, God's super generous. I mean, there's like, this is the number one best-selling book in all of history. You could buy 10,000 of them today if you wanted to. You could. Other countries don't have this privilege, but God is very generous. If you pray, he will speak his word to you, but his word is available. He hasn't hidden it anywhere. It's right here. We can have as much of it as we want. So in that parable of the seed and the sower, who has control over the soil? is it the farmer? No, if the soil's your heart, who has control over whether it's good soil or bad soil? God? No. He said your heart is the soil. If you have a bunch of cares of the world in it, it's going to choke out God's truth. And so many of us will will Pray or read the Bible or do something to try and solve a problem, and then we blame God when godly fruit doesn't bear up, doesn't come into our life. We blame God, and He says, Whose fault is it? According to that parable, who is control, in control over the soil, whether it's good soil or bad soil? Me, you, we're in complete control, so it's not God's fault. God, it wasn't His problem. His seed has all the power in and of itself to bear fruit. It has all the power all by itself. It just needs to be planted and kept there. It's not God's fault. So whose choice is it if we want to be blessed or not? Does God want us to be blessed? Does he force us to be blessed? Does he force us to be cursed? Whose choice is it? It really is. I mean, that's a shocking reality, kind of. Like, it's literally my choice. It's my choice. It's your choice if we want to be blessed. And if we want to be blessed, we have to renew our mind. We have to renew our mind. Let me ask this question. Um, How many of you expect that uh, when you look out at your front lawn or your back lawn, that you can never mow it, never edge it, never trim it, never fertilize it, never water it, never do anything, just sit back, and it should be lush and green and even and neat and nice and zero weeds. How many of you expect that? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be amazing, like, yes, (laughs) that's great. But does that happen? No, it does not. No, it does not. What do we have to do? We have to pull the weeds. We have to mow it. We have to manicure it. We have to edge it and weed it and do all these things if we want it to look nice. If we don't care, if we just want it to be a dirt patch with some weeds, that's your choice. You can have your lawn like that. But if our hearts are soil and our heart is a lawn, if we want nice, green, lush, beautiful life can we sit back and just not do anything no why not it's because our hearts are soil and it's because seedness needs to get in there and guess what the devil seeds definitely get in there the world seeds definitely get in there weeds will get in there whether you like it or not that's just the way it is None of us are shocked or surprised by the lawn analogy. Yet somehow, you know, at least I forget sometimes, oh, yeah, I got to mow the lawn. Oh, yeah, I have to edge around my heart. Oh, yeah, I have to fertilize my heart. Oh, yeah, I have to water my heart. I need to put some seed in my heart. And if I don't, guess what happens? No beauty. No beauty. Whose fault is that? Mine and mine alone. It's not God. It's not that it didn't work. It works. Jesus works. We need to put him in our heart. We need to sow these things into our life, into our mind. We can't say, I mowed the lawn once. I gave my life to Jesus. I pulled weeds once. I repented of my sin once. We can't expect that we're going to have a beautiful lawn that way. It doesn't happen. We have to get the Word of God in us. We have to get the Word of God in us. No matter how mature you are in this room, I can say this safely. I know it's true. I can say it about myself. It's true of me. None of us think the way we should. None of us think the way we should. And proof of that None of us think exactly the way Jesus thought. If we did, we would be consistently walking on water, speaking to storms, and they would obey. We'd be commanding fish to gather into nets at will. We could be growing out people's limbs, raising dead people to life, demons shuddering when we come near. Then you can say, yep, I have perfect thinking. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in us, The same spirit. That's where the power comes from. So, why doesn't it manifest the way it did in Jesus' life? If we have the same spirit, it's because I don't think right. It's because you don't think right like you should. Maybe you're not thinking sinfully, but you certainly could be thinking bigger. I could be walking in a lot more faith than I am. I could be grabbing hold of that godly authority and that godly identity and believing the Lord is really with me and believing God when he says at his word, you heal the sick, you feed them, you multiply the food. We could be thinking differently, every single one of us. So that means we all need to change that's not a guilt thing. That's not a shame thing. That shouldn't get you to go back into, oh, I knew it. I'm really an orphan because I haven't done any miracles lately. No, you're a prince. You're a princess. Nothing is going to change that. We just have to think like one. Amen? If you read Galatians, this is what happened to the Galatians. So, what happened to them? they believed the gospel, they were free, they were walking in grace, they were walking in truth, they were walking in love, everything was going great. And some people came along and said, you're not a real son until, you're not a real son until. Getting them to get into self-effort, into self-work, so much so that the Apostle Paul had to say, who did witchcraft on you? Who bewitched you? You received, how did you get the spirit in the first place? Free gift. Now you think you're going to earn him? You're out of your mind. (laughs) You're not thinking right. The sinful Corinthians, he addressed them to the saints that are in Corinth who were sinning like crazy and he had to rebuke. They still had the identity of a saint. Their identity didn't change. What was wrong? They weren't thinking accurately. They weren't thinking right. This is our problem. This is our battle. This is our battle. There's nothing wrong with us except we need a renewed mind. That's it. I want to end with these couple of scriptures because I just like them. Galatians 6.8, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. You sow sinful seeds into your heart, what are you going to get? Sin, death, you sow corruption, you plant corruption, what's going to grow up? Big corruption, right? Lots of corruption. You sow righteousness, you sow into the spirit, what are you going to get? More rightness, more of the spirit. It's as simple as that. This is Paul talking to the Galatians, you know, who got back into works and got back into striving and straining. This is what Paul, it's as simple as this, Galatians. You sow that stuff, that's what you're going to get. If that's what you want, have at it. If you want God, sow into God. Deuteronomy 30, 11. This is actually quoted in Romans 10. I want to encourage you, go read it. It's in Romans 10. But this is Deuteronomy, very Old Testament. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far away. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. In other words, Moses, Moses is telling Old Testament Israel, Guys, you've heard the truth. You don't have to do anything more. You don't have to go get something more. You just have to listen to the word that is right here, right now, in your mouth. You know it. It's right here. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes, I think I left that one off, uh, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And the implication is It's your choice. This isn't God's choice. This isn't God twisting your arm. You freely, honestly get to have your own choice. And it's as simple as obeying the word that you've heard, putting the word into your mind, into your heart. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, keeping his commandments, his statutes, his rules, then you shall live and multiply And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days. He's your life and he's your long life. He's your life and he's your long life. That's good news. It's a choice. You don't need anything more than you have. If you surrendered your life to Jesus, you have absolutely everything you need. What do you need to do? Your heart is soil. Plant the word. Renew your mind. You will get good fruit. You will get life. You will get life. Keep sowing it and sowing it and sowing it, and you'll keep reaping and reaping and reaping life and abundance, health to your bones. Amen? Amen. The alternative is do nothing, and the lawn of your heart will be a desert. Those are the choices before us today. That's it. Let's stand up. I just want to offer anybody um, the opportunity to come up. If you need prayer for healing, if you're still not 100% healed after we prayed for you, please come up. We just want to war over you. We want to agree with you. If you want prayer for anything, um, just we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Most of all, I wanted to give this call during worship. We sang, God rid us of this modern, superficial Christianity, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. But not there is no power in the half name of Jesus. He's not a sandwich that you can just take half and that's good enough. You're hurtling to your death out of an airplane. You do not want a half a parachute will not work. You're going to splat and die. It's all in. Jesus only works when you die. He only works when you die and when you're all in. When you are all in for Jesus Christ, he works. It works. Your life will be changed. This half in, half out, wishy-washy, modern-day American Christianity, it doesn't work. So if that has been you, come to the front. Make that change. Make that change. Go all in. All in works. All in works. Amen? Amen. All right, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord, help these things to just stick. Help these things to stick. You're not the God of condemnation. You're the God of freedom. You're the God of freedom. You have set us free, and you want us to even be more free. Help us to sow. Truth into our hearts Lord we want to have beautiful hearts we want to have hearts that manifest your kingdom and your power through them help us with that we confess in our weakness Lord Jesus we need your help to sow your word and your truth into our hearts we take responsibility for the blessings and the curses in your name Jesus amen I bless you guys